This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan. Our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. We firmly believe at Parent Footprint that the key to raising happy, healthy, engaged and aware kids is for us adults to focus on the same in our own lives, to focus towards happiness, fulfillment, health, engagement and awareness. When we do this, we can create our own vision of successful parenting for our kids in the present and for them in the future as adults. I'm excited about today's topic, which is generosity. And we have an expert on generosity joining us today, Judy Hoberman. Judy has 30 years of award-winning experience in sales. Her new book, which we're going to talk about, Walking on the Glass Floor, was an instant Amazon bestseller. She's a frequent media guest. She, um, she is the gender expert on the Fox News Radio and hosts the weekly radio show Selling in a Skirt, which is on iHeartRadio, the Women for Women Network. Judy has appeared on CNN, ABC, CBS, CW33, and Good Morning Texas as, and has contributed numerous publications and journals. She's a popular speaker, and in 2016, she gave a very well-received TEDx talk, which you're going to want to see, about the impacts of prejudging people. And finally, she has even more books, Selling in a Skirt, Famous Isn't Enough, and Pure Wealth. And recently, she received a Woman in Leadership Certificate from Cornell University College of Business. Okay, I'm going to breathe. Judy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. When you know, it's so funny when somebody reads everything you've done. You go, okay, enough. All right, enough. And it's I, really I um, amazing. It's amazing when you know, like we've done all that. So let's be proud of it. But it's like enough. <laughs> exactly. Well, it inform. I mean, it informs all of that. Informs who you are and what you bring to the world, which I know you're very passionate about. So, would you tell us a little bit about you know your how you came to all this from sales into speaking and coaching? And writing. Um, well, you know, I've I've been doing sales for 30 years, and the good part about it was that I was the only female. The bad part about it was I was the only female, and so I had to figure out how to do things in ways that um, worked for me, but also wouldn't totally annoy everybody else in my space because everybody would say to me, you, you are, you know, you're such a girl. You ask so many questions. You take too long. You waste time, blah, 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 blah. And really what I was hearing was I was doing something that everybody should be doing. I was building relationships. I was servicing my clients and I was asking for referrals, but it didn't seem that 
that was productive to anybody until I started pr really producing. So my career in sales really blossomed. And as I was getting better, people started to take me seriously. And so, you know, I, I did um, insurance sales for a couple of decades. And I started to realize that there were other things I needed to do. And so there were other things in between that I did that were okay. But then I realized, like, if I was starting a business today, what would I be looking for? And I would have looked for somebody that was a mentor and somebody that would have been able to take me by the hand and just say, okay, this is what the journey will look like. I'm not going to do it for you, but I'm going to help you. And there wasn't anybody that looked like me. It was all men. And I was mentored by extremely successful men. So I, I love that part of it. But there's a piece of it that was missing because there was nobody like me. And so as I got more successful, that's what I started doing was mentoring. And it turned into my company. To look around and, and to realize that you're the only one of you. In those situations, it, it usually takes people some time to trust your, that what you're doing is right and valuable when you're not seeing it mirrored anywhere else, right? Did you have any experience like that? <laughs> that was my experience every day. Yeah. Yeah. All day, every month, you know, it was just people kept saying to me that I'm never going to succeed, especially in insurance, because their their idea was get in, get out and get the check. But to me, that wasn't building a relationship. And how the heck would you know what somebody needs? And we got in, got out and get the check. And what I would do is I would ask a lot of questions. They, and they nicknamed me the question queen, because when mm -hmm. I walked in mm -hmm. the room, they would roll their eyes going, how could she possibly have another question? But my <laughs> job, well, is, you know, and the funny part really is like, I mean, I was a single mom. My job was to protect my children, my family. So mm -hmm. my second job was to protect other families. And so the only way to do that is to understand where they were going and why they were going there. And so it took me longer, but I had more clients than you could possibly imagine. I had more referrals you can, than you can possibly imagine. And after, you know, a few months, I never, ever had to cold call because my entire business was based on referrals. And that's a, that's a really, you know, great thing to think about because, you know, in, when you're in sales, you're hunting all the time. Like, who can I talk to and who's going to be available? I never had to do that after probably about three months or so because I got more referrals because people trusted me and they understood that, what I wanted was the best for them. And if I couldn't help them, I didn't sell them anything. I would say to them, stay where you are. You're, you're great where you are. And, you know, I, what I'm showing you is not going to help you. And they couldn't even understand how I would be giving up commission by not selling them something. But they didn't need it. And so I think that was part of the charm. Mm hmm Well, and you're your living proof of the, uh, the parent footprint mission, which I talked about at the opening of this, which is how to be fully engaged in your life and model for your children, right? Like the person you want them to be. And so in your book, you talk about your new book, um, Walking on the Glass Floor, you talk about seven qualities um, of women who lead. And I'm going to list them, passion, authenticity, courage, communication, decisiveness, resilience, generosity. And I know the whole book is, is about this. I'm wondering what you can tell our listeners for not only how do you model that and engage in those behaviors as an adult, but how do we also then teach our children these really critical characteristics and life skills? 
You know, it's very interesting. I didn't even realize it. This morning I posted on social media and it was about be a positive role model. There's someone out here looking up to you. And, mm -hmm. and I, and I always, and I, it didn't even dawn on me that that was going to be what we're talking about. I don't even know why it didn't even dawn on me, but um, <laughs> I always made sure that what I did would be good no matter who was watching or who wasn't watching. And I always talk to people about the mom test. If your mom walked in the room, would you be okay doing what you're doing? And so my children always knew that what I would be the role model for them for was I was going to lead by example. There were, you know, we had tough times. We did, but we always were together. We always made sure that we talked about some of these qualities, like being courageous as a single mom. And you have to take care of everybody and everything. You have to be courageous, but so did my children because they didn't ask to be put in that situation. So they had to figure out how to be courageous. It'd be generosity is always about giving, you know, and, and people, naturally assume you're talking about giving money. Money's the least of being generous. You know, that's great to be financially sound and you can do whatever you want, but there's other things. I mean, giving your time is more important than just about anything. Communication. How do you, how do you teach your children how to ask questions, how to listen, how to be polite, how to be present? Because the same things are going to happen when they get older and how to be themselves. You know, my kids have quirky things, but we all do. That's what makes you different. And when you try to hide the quirkiness, you're not being authentic. So all of these things that I talk about in the book, which, you know, really are amazing leadership qualities that most of us don't even realize are leadership qualities. My children always saw them, heard them, felt them and, and lived them because it was important that they understood what it takes to be a good person, a kind person. That's and that's who they are. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that is ultimately what you lead with? Because I love this idea of, um, you know, be good and do the right thing regardless of who's watching and be a kind person. I mean, is this sort of your a main mantra within your family? It, it totally is because um, there's so many people that are just being treated poorly, but there's so many people that are just mean. They're just mean and you don't understand why they're mean. And, you know, when I look back and I think about the things that people go through, I want to make sure that my children are happy and healthy and protected. That's my job. But I also want them to understand that there are other people that may not have as much as they do or have more than they do and still are not treated the right way. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting, Dr. Dan, because um, last year during the holidays, my kids have have always known, like, you know, what the presents that they want. They would tell me what catalog it's in, what page number or so on, because they didn't want to make it hard for me. But five years ago, I, I got married and my husband has two children as well. So I always try to teach them, okay, this is how, this is what makes it easy. So we know what you want. So we're not buying just junk or whatever. But when I asked my daughter, who's the oldest of all four, what she, I said, you didn't send me anything. And she said, one of her friend's sons um, is going through chemo. And she said, and it's a very difficult time for them. And, and so whatever you would spend on me, would you just send it to them as a donation? Okay, so as I'm gulping, as I'm telling you that, I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, like you always pray that your kids will hear what you say and, and, and mim mimic you. And she did. And so I told the other three, I said, so this is what Stephanie wants for the holidays. And they all said, oh, OK, so can we donate to you know, veterans and can we donate to the women that are starting businesses and can we donate to people that are doing, you know, extreme things? And so that was that was how you could see that what you teach and what your goals are, are they really, people hear you, your children hear you. And so to me, I, my buttons were popping because I was so proud of all our kids, you know, because that's truly, that's being kind.
And generous. And generous, right, which is like, first of all, um, as a parent, I can only imagine hearing that, right? I mean, you can't make that up. I mean, just uh, how validating. And the today's show, you know, our, our focus on generosity, that is, that's what you're describing. And you, with Parent Footprint, we, we, we firmly believe kindness, generosity um, are huge components of raising um, healthy and kind and engaged kids. So tell us, you know, why is generosity so important and how do we cultivate that? You know, everybody has a different de- definition of what being generous is. And it could be as simple as buying somebody a cup of coffee, paying for the person that's behind you in a drive through It could be anything like that. But I've always decided that for me, because there was no one that was there for me as far as, um, you know, mentors in business or, you know, my mom had passed away many, many years ago. I didn't have that. So I always thought that if I could help one person do something um, that would save them a dollar, save them a minute, whatever it is, why couldn't I be generous with what, what I have? And so in 2017, it was 2017? Yeah, 2017, my mission was to help one woman a day. And people would say to me, well, why not 10 women? Why not 1,000 women? Why not this? And I would say to them, I just want to help one woman a day. That's all I want to do. And every single time I would say that, there would be a woman that would raise her hand. It could be an audience that I'm speaking to. It could be training I'm doing. It could be anything. They would raise their hand and they would say, can I be your woman? And th- talk about being humbled. Oh my goodness. It's like the, you can't even imagine how that felt. And so I knew that what, what I was doing was going to be something that my children would be able to see as it evolves. And I needed to do something more than that. And so there's, you know, a lot of other things that we put into place. But if you think about it, being kind, being generous, you know, giving back to the community, it's not something that's difficult to do. What if you, you know, volunteer time at a senior citizen center? What if you, you know, like people say, well, in the month of of November, I'm going to give back. I'm going to be generous and grateful and thankful. It's more than just November. This is something that you have to do every single day. I make it a practice every single day to somebody that I don't know. I go up and I say something nice to them, what they're wearing, what they, you know, how they, how I feel about being around. And you cannot even imagine the reaction that you get because some people have never heard anything nice. No, never. Or somebody hasn't heard it forever. Or somebody just looks at you and they say, you know, thank you, you made my day. And, and I think that when, my, when I do it, it just makes me feel so amazing. But my children have seen me do it. And, and they do the same thing. Now, they may not do it every single day, but they're very quick to be able to say to somebody, I love the color sweater you're wearing. Or you're, you're so kind, can I help you cross the street? Or whatever. So I think that as being a role model for me has always been extremely important. And that's how I can make sure that you know, my children see it and, and they continue the cycle. What's the difference if you share your time or your brilliance? It's a lot more expensive to give up an hour of your day than it is to give somebody, you know, money. Mm-hmm. And it is true what they say, whoever they are, about, um, you know, giving. It does, it fills you up far more than receiving. It, it really oh. does. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it's it's funny because women, of course, it's much easier to give than to receive because it's really hard for us to ask for help or even receive any help. And um, so it's a it's a wonderful feeling. And all of a sudden you realize I can ask for help. I'm OK with this. You know, 
Absolutely. And do you, I mean, do you find you uh, spend a lot of time um, speaking out on gender equality, which of course is a uh, very important and needed topic uh, in this day and age we are living in. Do you find, I'm asking us a gender question. Is it harder with our, so sons and daughters, is it harder to teach some of these characteristics in on your leadership to boys versus girls? Or are we just, you know, we get these stereotypes in our head as we grow up and are, and are uh, molded by our society. And, uh, and anyone can learn these. The men that you work with, can they, can they learn to be generous too? Absolutely. And, you know, and each child is different also. You have to remember that, you know, just because boys are more aggressive when they're playing and girls are, you know, nicey-nice when they play, that doesn't mean that they're all going to accept or learn any of these qualities the same way. They're just not. And, you know, uh, men that I work with, I always talk about some of these, you know, the qualities. I just did um, a radio show with a gentleman, and when I started listing the qualities of leadership, he said, oh, my God, that's, yeah, that's number one for me. That's number two for me. That's number three for me. So even though the book is really about women in leadership roles, it's also about the men that champion them because men need to have these. And and I just – we gave a book to um, a friend of my husband's who's a retired – my husband's a retired colonel, and this gentleman is still active duty and a pretty high level, and he thanked him – he said, I have learned so much from this book, and it really is not just for women. So, yes, you can learn it, and yes, children can learn it, but think about it for a second. Our kids, they're, they're like canvases, and they have so much that, that, that's on this beautiful canvas, and then somewhere from the time that they're little to the time that they're adult, they lose that. They lose it. They lose the part about being passionate. They lose the part about being authentic. They have to be like everybody else. Why? Why is that? Is it that we have so much stuff thrown at us every single day and they lose it? Or we don't reinforce it? You know what I mean? Because that's also part of it. We're not, we're not teaching them the same things that we were taught. You know, I know like a million years ago when I was walking uphill to go to school, you know, that kind of nonsense. But, you know, I did a talk and I, and I talked about the golden rule. And it was for, it was a whole room of almost all millennials, and I could see blank stares at me. And I said, you all know the golden rule, right? And a few of them raised their hand. And I said, you know, where it says do unto others. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We know that. So what does that, what does that show you that we're not teaching the golden rule? Or, or we're not calling it, we're not calling it the golden rule. What are we, you know, so that's what I'm saying. So yeah, I mean, our kids can learn all these, but so can adults easily. Absolutely. And um, I'm glad to hear you say that. I agree with you. And when I when I'm thinking about how people treat people and how how we model treating people with kindness um, and generosity and giving the benefit of the doubt, it does make me think of your uh, TEDx talk about prejudging people, because I almost feel like the judgment right is on the other side of this generosity of spirit and kindness in some respects. What, what do you tell us? Tell the listeners about your concepts in that talk that you gave. Well, the, the topic was, for me was about being prejudged. And of course, you have to realize that we do it in a nanosecond. Like you look at somebody, you've already made a prejudgment about the person, what they're wearing, how, what they look like, whatever it is. And we don't even realize we're doing it. And we do it because it's so quick. It's so fast. And the, the part that's hard is that we have to figure out like how to stop doing it because it really isn't. I mean, it's not being kind and it's not being generous. And so my whole entire life, I've been prejudged always. And it's very funny because, you know, when you when you listen to the some of the stories that I tell, because 
and some of them are hurtful. And when people watch it, they start to cry. And so do I. And so I had to really, you know, be a big girl and, and get, get through it because I really wanted to share my story. But the funniest part of the whole thing was when I talked about the fact that when I was in high school, I didn't make cheerleading. I just didn't make the squad. And yet everybody thought I did. And so now I graduated high school in 1976, which means I would, in 1972, which means I would have been a cheerleader 70, 71, and 72. So that's a long time ago. Now, a friend of mine, I reached out to him and I said to him, hey, do me a favor. You know, my book is launching. Would you, would you send this out for me? And he goes, I would do anything for my favorite cheerleader. That's what he said to me. <laughs> and I said to him, no, you know, I wasn't a cheerleader. He goes, I know you weren't a cheerleader. You were the captain. Okay. Now, so what he had in his head was something that he remembered all these years, which wasn't true. So, you know, so I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, it's just very funny. Or the person the day before we did a dress rehearsal, one of the other talk, the, the TEDx um, speakers said to me, why are you here? I said, it's dress rehearsal. She said, look at you. You don't need this. And I said to her, are you going to listen to my talk tomorrow? She goes, yes. I said, okay, we'll talk about this tomorrow. And I just left it. After I did my talk, she walked up to me. She hugged me. She started to cry. And she said, I had no idea this is what you were going to talk about. And, and I apologize for prejudging you. So hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how you're prejudged, but people do it all the time. You think about walking into a room. You already know who you're not going to talk to because this one's too this and this one's too that and this one's not this and not enough of that. And so that's what it's about. It's, it's, a, it's a great talk. It was the best thing I ever did and the hardest thing I ever did. I bet. And the, a, a message to, for all of us parents is that all of our micro uh, prejudgments that the comments we make while we're driving or in line or when uh, we're talking about a friend or not a friend or, you know, the gossiping that happens, all of that is judgment and the opposite of kindness and generosity that our kids are, are soaking up and watching in terms of how to be a human being. Absolutely. Did you ever see the, the uh, there's a little... Um image. It's a little girl that gets on scale and she's shaking her head and she's going, no, no, no. Well, what does her mom do every day? She gets mm -hmm. on the scale and she goes, no, no, no. So this little one who couldn't have been more than a year or two, all of, all of a sudden she's already realizing that the scale is a bad thing and that every time you get on, it's a bad thing. So even that, like, I mean, I'm sure the mom didn't even realize that that's what she was doing, but we all, you know, that's what I'm saying. And what you're saying is true. We, we hear things and we grow up with that. Right. So I want to focus on connect something to have you connect something to us with generosity. Um, one of your characteristics of leadership um, is resilience, as we mentioned. I spent a lot of time uh, working with kids and adolescents and with parents and speaking on resilience these days because there is a growing concern that our generation of youth um, and young adults don't have the resiliency skills that are needed to face the inevitable obstacles of life. Can you tell us how you look at resilience and do, is there a connection between being generous and living with generosity and resiliency from your perspective? Yes and yes. So here's, here's my take on resilience. Um, again, it's a word that most people think of is a negative word. Okay. I mean, because the way that you're resilient comes from something that's negative. And nine times out of 10, that could be true. But the, the, the truth of the matter is that resilience means that you can bounce up. You can, get, you can get yourself up and you can move forward. But there's also lessons in here. And part of it is, you know, as a parent, 
you have to look and see what's going on. And a lot of times it could be that you didn't get the right boyfriend. Maybe you didn't make cheerleading, whatever it is. But you're, you know, you're so distraught, you're so upset, and you'll never get up. And it's the end of your life and all of the stuff that we, we say when we're failing something. And it's really not a failure. It's a lesson. And so I always tell, you know, whether it's parents or whether it's children or, or my kids, because it still happens, or even if, or me, because it still happens. When something happens and it didn't go exactly the way you anticipated, there's a reason for it. And so now you, it's time to like sit down and say, okay, so what happened and what did I learn from it? Because if you don't learn from it and you do it again, it's no longer something that you can bounce back from. These are choices that you're making and you don't want that to be a choice. So I always think, okay, so what did I do? What, what can I change? How is that going to happen? But at the same time, you have to give yourself or your children or whomever it is permission to wallow just a little bit. Not for a day and two days and 10 days and five years, but give yourself permission to, you know, sit and eat some ice cream or, or go and talk to your friend or go play ball or whatever you need to do, but do something that makes you feel better, even if you're wallowing in it and then get yourself up. So I always give myself, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I give myself a time limit. When I'm really upset, I, I give myself like 30 minutes to, you know, cry and scream and carry on and do whatever I need to do. And then I get up and go, okay. So now I've just lost 30 minutes of my life because <laughs> all I did was cry, but I needed mm -hmm. to do that. So I'm okay with it. But now what am I going to do to go forward? Well, maybe I need to ask someone to help me and that person would be generous by giving me their time. Or maybe I need to go talk to somebody and explain why this happened and, and try to figure out like, how can we do this going forward? So, you know, there's all different little pieces of it, but resilience really, really just means, okay, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Now let me get up and let me, let me go forward. And it sounds easier said than done, but really you, you have to give yourself permission to cry or permission to whatever, wallow however you want to do it, but then learn from your mistakes. And that's also being, you can teach somebody how to get through that and that being generous because you're sharing experiences. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about everything that you've said on the show and looping back to something at the beginning, you talked about how much you were uh, giving to your uh, clients and how that giving for nothing in return actually got you a lot in return. And, but you did it from an authentic place. You know, this, it, we, this is parent footprint. We talk about leaving a, the kind of footprint we want to leave. And this, you talk a lot about giving to others. And so, you know, as we're winding down, uh, could you tell us what you think the importance of giving time is as a gift to your, your children? So I truly believe that one of the big pieces that we're missing is being present. And being present means that you're giving yourself time to be in that situation, in that environment, whatever it is, and you're going to be 100% present. And it doesn't matter if it's 30 minutes or three years, it doesn't matter. But if you give yourself the, if you teach yourself that as a parent, you need to, you, you have to be a parent. You can't be a friend. I mean, you just can't. That's another whole story for another whole day. But you want to be present. And, and you want to show that if you share your experiences, if you share your expertise, and being, as far as being generous and as far as giving of your, your moments in time, your children are going to learn from you. 
you know, sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it takes reading a book together. Sometimes it's sharing your experiences. When I had my business, you know, when I first started my business, my children were part of my business. I would, we would do things together as far as, you know, sending out mailers or addressing envelopes or whatever, but I was present with them. I was 100% present because there's no such thing as work-life balance where it's going to be 50-50. It's work-life harmony. And to me, the footprint would be be present with your children. You have 86,400 seconds a day. Make them, make them valuable. Make it so that when you have those seconds, you're not wasting them. Because you don't get them back. You can't bank them or anything else. But if I give you $86,400, you'd know how to spend it in a second. So why can't we spend it? Why can't we spend the 86,400 seconds in a way that's meaningful, in a, in a way that's being present, and, it's, it, it, and that's giving your time? And I don't think there's anything more valuable than that. I really, I, honestly, I don't. I think that giving is so important, and I've been criticized because I give a lot away of my time for free, but it's not giving your time for free. In return, I'm getting something as well. I'm getting the feeling that I've helped somebody, that I've supported somebody, or, or, or I've helped somebody grow, or or help them out of a situation or into a situation. So to me, I think that being present and giving your time is the most valuable thing that we have. And sometimes people don't want to part with it. I love that. Hear that, everyone? Be present with your kids. Even when you need to work, they can be part of it, right? We do have things we need to do as parents. And I know we're pulled in a lot of different directions, but I think this message is really clear. Be present with our time with our kids. All right, Judy, it's time. It is time for the parent footprint moment question. And this question is when you tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as an individual and or as a parent, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your kids. (laughs) Well, as a single parent, um, there's so many different things that you can look at, but there's one that actually, when I talk about it, I always laugh because that was the purpose of it. And that was the, the purpose was to, to help me be a better parent, to help me listen more. And so um, when my daughter was a teenager, and anybody that has teenage girls knows that that is not the easiest time, and especially when you are the only parent. And so there was a, there, you know, we would have like our own little screaming matches, and we had to see like which one would scream louder because that was the game, and it wasn't a fun game. Anyway, there was a book out, and I can't remember the exact name, but it was like, um, uh, get out of my life, but first, can you take me to the mall? It was something like that. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I know that book. You remember, okay. I, yeah. All right. And so when you read the book, um, one of the chapters talks about uh, diffusing a situation. So instead of getting into this screaming match, you, you listen and then you start to laugh. And the first time you do it, you feel like you're an idiot because <laughs> here's this, it's a very tense situation and you go, <laughs> you know, and, she, and my daughter would look at me and I would laugh again. And she goes, you're laughing at me. I said, no, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the situation because this is ridiculous. This is craziness. And so, um, and so what it did for me was it, it calmed me down and I calmed her down because I think that what happens is as a parent, you know, you both get into this situation and then you're just, everybody's mad, angry, whatever it is. So what it taught me was that I could allow 
her to be independent and to listen to what she was saying to me and to be a better parent and to give her, you know, advice when she was looking for the advice, but not to, you know, like to put my, my hand on her and say, no, 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 you can't be that person because that's what happened to me my whole life. I was told girls don't do this. Girls don't do that. So obviously in my life now I do girls do do this. And so I had to be prepared that here was a mini version of me. And that's the hardest thing to, you know, accept sometimes is that there's your mini version. But what happened was it taught me to be a better parent. It taught me how to listen. It taught me how to um, encourage. And I think that not only did it help her, it helped me and it helped, you know, people in my world going forward. So it was a it was a very rough time and it was some of the best times. Like I wouldn't give it up. I, I don't know if I'd want to go through the exact thing again, but... Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, so, yeah. you know, again, to listen, to be present and to, uh, to be a parent. To listen, to be present and to be a parent. And I also love this idea of letting a potentially little version of ourselves blossom into their own version, right? Before our eyes, giving them the space to do so. Judy, thank you for all the wisdom you have shared. I- I'm looking at all of your um, your qualities and courage, which is one of them. I feel like you are such a courageous person and you have so much to share. And I think the message to all of us, uh, which I am definitely internalizing, is how important giving to others is. Not only does it fill us up, it fills other people up. It gives other people opportunities. It makes the world a better place. And we need as much kindness as we can muster in our world today and raise kids who who feel the same way about it. So you guys check out Judy's great new book, Walking on the Glass Floor. And Judy, tell everyone where they can listen to you on your radio show and all of the other stuff that you are involved in. So my main um, website is sellinginaskirt.com. And so everything's on there. We are, we are in, the, in the process of building Walking on the Glass Floor website, but there is a landing page right now. So it's walkingonthegloassfloor.com. But if you go back to Selling in a Skirt, you can see the books, you can see my TED Talk, you can see other videos that we've done. There's great episodes from the radio. Um, there's wonderful publications, all about different topics. And while some of them may not be 100% directed at children, just think about who, what your children are going into, emerging leaders. And so there's a lot of things about that. Oh, you nailed it. Exactly. This is so in line with what this show is about, what Parent Footprint is about, is how do we raise successful adults who are good people in life later on? Judy, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, you are inspiring. You are a role model for us. And as a parent, I will daily try to emulate and listen to the words as I model for my own kids. All of you out there, you're listening because you have these same goals for yourself and for your own kids. Check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. Check out our Parent Footprint Awareness Training, which is designed exactly for this, for us to become more aware, be clear about our goals for our kids and how they connect to ourselves and our own lives. And as always think about this guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave?